There was a boy who had a band of brothers. There was a boy who had a band of brothers. He left to meet in council in the wilderness of Maine. He left to meet in council in the wilderness of Maine. And if you asked him who it was he lived for. And if you asked him who it was he lived for. He'd tell you of Camp Cobbacy so far, far away. He'd tell you of Camp Cobbacy so far, far away. Far away! Far away! Far away! He'd tell you of Camp Cobbacy so far, far away. Good evening, Cobbacy families, and welcome to the Cobbacy Evening Fireside Podcast. The Braves and Warriors are not in their beds. In fact, it is just after our double lakeside period, after the end of Color War and what becomes our outgoing drill full of connection and fun and letting everyone's hair down and just generally relaxing. So I want to just talk about Color War and what we saw today and how I feel about it. Because I think it was a remarkable scenario. The gray team jumped out to an early lead and blue stayed with them for about two days. And then they started to pull away. Gray started to pull away from blue. Many things happen in that situation with different athletes. Some turn up the heat, some try harder, some give up, lots give up. And the chances of someone giving up go up exponentially with every step that someone takes away from them. So if you fall farther behind and farther behind and farther behind, eventually it's fatal. You see this in games in the NBA when there's a blowout by 40 points, 25 points, sometimes 50 points. The defense falls away, attitudes start to happen, people get chippy, that kind of thing. Well, for a good day and three quarters, Blue was down by what most people would think was a fatal amount of points. The record from coming back was set by Griff a few years back in his last color war. He came back from 155 points down to win. For the last 24 hours, Blue has been sitting at negative 160 points. And what's weird about that, families, is that the contests are close. Gray would win football by a touchdown. Gray would win soccer by one point. Gray would win tennis by a couple points. Just here and there, they got the edge every single time. What looks like an avalanche of points is actually a succession of a series of very close contests that all went Gray's way. And I know that sounds like I'm explaining something away, but it really didn't come out like that. And the effect on the ground is that Blue was in almost every one of the games. Davian and his Blue Vipers could have won All of those games, they were not blowouts. There were no blowouts in the countless number of events we've had over the last five days. No blowouts. There were no blowouts in the songs, Kid and Cheer. There was no blowouts in any one of the contests. It was hard fought with excellent sportsmanship every way. But there's something deeper that happened that I thought was remarkable. This morning, everybody woke up. Everybody had done the math at a late breakfast. It was another absolutely fantastic day, perfect for the last day of color war. Blue skies, trees shining in the sun, sports fields laid out. And the first thing we did was we went up for rope burn. And we're in a scenario now, Cobbacy families, where if Gray wins anything, they win the whole thing. So it doesn't get any more back up against the wall for the Blue Vipers. 
they get up there to the rope burn. The rope burn is a big, huge event. The whole camp is there. The ropes are at 10 feet. If they lose, they're out. So it's over. We don't know if Color War is going to end at 10, 15 a.m. or if it's going to go all day long. But Blue has to keep winning for it to go all day long. And mathematically, that's possible. But of course, statistically, it's very, very unusual or hard to imagine that that would happen. Here's what happens at the rope burn. The fires start. Gray has a hard time getting their fire lit because of an issue with the torch. The starting fire is small. The torch is big. It can't be lit that well. So they start a little behind, but their fire is more sturdy. It looks more like a giant log cabin. It's probably four feet wide, five feet wide, big old logs. It had rained for a couple sections of color war, so it was unclear how much of it was wet, how much of it wasn't wet. And the Blue Vipers went with a classic teepee arrangement, which burns fast and vertically, but there's a, a risk of collapse. The wind was steady up top, so the fires burned hotter than I think people expected. And what happened was, Gray's fire started slowly, so right away, Blue jumped out. Looked like they were going to get their next victory they needed. And then... The wind picked up and it kind of gutted the fire by burning it out. And then it collapsed. Blue's fire collapsed. And normal boys and normal staff would have looked at that collapsed fire and thought, this is the end. So much for color war. And Gray's chanting, one more for color war, one more for color war, one more for color war. So it looks like it's over. I literally said the words to the other judges. Well, that's it. They can't come back from there. But Davian did not give up. Nor did his boys, nor did his staff. And they, they went and got all of their wood. And they built yet another teepee fire on top of that one. And with that huge bed of coals that had blown itself down, this fire leapt up. And it was really unconventional in its structure. It was flat on the ground, but this tongue of fire was shooting straight up. 11 or 12 feet straight up. And all at once it was a contest again. And both teams went ballistic, screaming. Burn, baby, burn! 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 Now the gray fire looked a little less strong. And sure enough, the blue viper's fire burned the rope first, and they won. So they had won one more. So now we go to basketball. There was one basketball game left. It was Sevens basketball, which is the Sachem. The Blue Sevens had lost most of their contests to the Gray Sevens. These are those best friends I was telling you about at soccer. The ones who were playing for keeps, but also were picking each other up and so on. They had lost almost all the contests. Instead of dragging themselves onto the basketball court, they showed up, fired up, and led the entire game and beat the Gray Sevens in basketball in what was a hard-fought sportsmanlike, but intense, fierce game. So they had won again. And you could see it start to happen. The blue team started to think, what if? What if 160 points was going to be new, the new record? What if this is a new Cobbacy legend in the making? 
I just think it's important to keep in mind what that's like. We're talking about 12-year-old kids, 9-year-old kids, 7-year-old kids, exhausted counselors. Even though they were 160 points down, they didn't give up. And to their unending credit, Gray never began to condescend to them. They never thought they were out. They respected them. They feared them. They played hard. They didn't let up. Those are the kind of things that you hope you'll see when you're coaching. You'll, you hope your teams will have that character. And this time, both teams had that character. So we go down to Tugs. Everybody calls the Tug of Wars Tugs here. And the Sevens are, the ones who just finished playing, are first up, as it just happens. And we're all arrayed on the field of the waterfront, right over Lake Cavasi Conti, right next to the wood shop. Boys have their cleats on. It's 20 minutes after the basketball game. And the rope is an inch and a half manila rope. It's got handkerchiefs tied on it, yellow in the middle, and red for each of the other side. And you have to pull that, that red handkerchief of the opposite team right over your line. Everybody starts chanting. Immediately, Blue jumps out to a strong lead. They move the handkerchief probably four feet towards their direction. Looks like it's going to be another one. Everyone starts to see the narrative. They won the fire. They won sevens basketball. They're about to win again against the boys they beat in sevens basketball. What could possibly be coming next? Would it be us moving on to sixes and then fives and then fours and then threes and then twos? Two years ago, the same scenario happened and we went all the way to the twos. That's the Braves and their tugs of war. And that all went all the way, best two out of three. And finally, the dominant team was able to win. Was that going to happen today? The handkerchief starts moving back the other direction. Dismay is all over the Blues' faces as they start to see it slipping away. Why? Because the Gray never gave up. They never started laying back. Gray wins the tug of war. Switch places. This time, the gray kids are chanting, one more for color war, one more for color war, and you can feel the momentum shifting the other direction. Sure enough, from the beginning, gray is moving the handkerchief, blue is losing ground, handkerchief crosses over, and color war is over. And just like all boys are not created equal, just like all camps are not equal, so too are all color wars not equal. And this looked like a wipeout, but I'm telling you, it was not. And it did not have the effect of a wipeout on the boys on either team. Gray was always scared of Blue, as they should have been, and Blue was never out of the fight, even though they had an avalanche of points against them. Not even until that last tug of war, they were in it the whole time. They had every expectation they were about to make history. There was a certain pugnacity there. A certain fierceness that I respect a great deal. And that's something that I think these boys can take with them. We certainly said it to them as the hatchets were getting buried, which is our final ceremony. And you could see it in the way that Blue carried themselves. So I would like to commend both teams for their actions on the on the field of battle these last five days. They treated each other well, with respect. They did not condescend. 
they strove and did not yield. So in the background, you can hear the trumpet for dinner time. We're going to have a dinner tonight. Then the boys are going to go back and put on some costumes. They're going to learn how to play all kinds of card games. They're going to bet on candy. They're going to teach them important skills of young um, manhood, which is, you know, blackjack and poker and so on. Maybe a little bluffing. But everyone is holding their heads high today, regardless of the result. Because they know what they did. They did their best. And in a context where they may have given up, they did not. They did not give up, nor should they have. And so that is our evening fireside podcast for today, the last day of Color War. Tomorrow is a day at camp called The Day That Dreams Come True, when we take every single thing that's awesome at camp. I mean, it's all awesome, but every single thing that the boys would really love to do and make sure there's a day of just that. So they've submitted their favorite things ever and we're going to make them happen. And then tomorrow night is the last bunk night and then the day after that is packing day. And then soon you will be here and the summer will be over. But this one, this one was one for the record books. All is well in this place set apart.